Hi everyone, I'm Jada Burt and this is In My Tracks. You know that feeling when a song comes on and it's so good that it feels like you're frozen in time? Well, that's what this podcast is all about. Songs that stop me in my tracks. I chat with musicians about their inspiration, process, and challenges. And you discover your new favorite songs. On a Limb is one of many bands that has pushed the Cincinnati jazz scene forward. They graced the city with their unique trio for years, but started a new adventure in Brooklyn just in 2021. Of course, it was sad to see them go, but it's amazing to see bands from our city follow their dreams and reach new heights. So NYC, if you're listening, you just gained some pretty talented Cincinnatians. Let's get tracking. Hello and welcome to In My Tracks. Today I'm speaking to On A Limb. Can you guys introduce yourselves, please? This is Andrew Haug, pianist and composer. This is Ethan Marsh, uh, bass player. I'm Charlie Schutz, and I'm the drummer in Honolulu. All right, thank you. Nice to meet you all. So how did you meet each other? We all grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and met there in the, in the music scene. I was taking lessons from a jazz pianist there named Dan Carlsberg, my senior year of high school, and... I had heard about Charlie through him because he was also taking lessons with Dan. And he told me there's a chance that we would be going to the same conservatory together. Um, And that's what happened. We met in 2014, our freshman year at college. And then uh, we later met Ethan just at jazz gigs around Cincinnati. He was always going out when he was like in middle school. We might have (laughs) been... We might have been in college at that point, or maybe he was in high school when we started college. I can't even remember the time frame, but we met Ethan on the scene. And then he later ended up going to the same conservatory that we did. So we kind of all met at uh, the University of Cincinnati to some degree. And That's really cool. So, because I've seen over the past couple of years that the jazz community, at least, is really tight-knit and really supportive of each other. Uh, what do you say that, what, what would you say it means to you, you guys as a group um, who started there and later, you know, moved to New York? Yeah, Cincinnati was, you know, as the roots, like we, um, I know speaking for, for all of us, like there was a band, Animal Mother, some of our friends, Josh Klein, Matt McAllister, John Massey, they were really doing a lot of creative music, but was really intriguing and inspiring for us when we were younger. Um, still still are, but like that was like when we were coming up in the scene, they were really in a lot of ways setting the tone, I felt like, with creativity and jazz. And yeah, I was like happy to meet these guys in the band and like kind of be a part of that lineage. As far as moving to New York, um, it's been nice for me and Andrew to both be together because we can still rehearse and work on our new stuff. But it's also brought up some interesting things, because Ethan is still based in Cincinnati. So thankfully, he's able to come up and visit us a lot. Like right now, he happens to be in New York with us, which is really nice. But because our bass player is still located in a different area, it's like, all right, so it, it becomes sort of like once in a blue moon when we can all actually get together and play. Yep, I can see that. So with you with you guys being in different areas at the time, uh, would you say that you mainly focus on writing writing when you guys are apart or 
Or do you feel like more comfortable writing when you guys are together? We all tend to write on our own sort of, and then we come together and sort of add the final touches on our own compositions and kind of talk them out, play them together the last 10 to 20% kind of molding it to the group and what will work best, you know, for our strengths and everything. Um, so it's great. Yeah. Whenever we do have the chance to get together to just hang out and play and work out all those kinks and lately specifically, I guess we've, yeah, really been sitting on a good close to a dozen new original songs that have, you know, we've compiled over the course of the pandemic or even a little bit before that, uh, that we're really excited to record. Yeah, that is super exciting. Um, so what is the story behind your band name? This is, yeah, it actually took a while for us to to figure this out. I, I don't know, I didn't want to overthink it, but I also wanted it to be something that reflected who we were and like sounded like a band name and like something, you know, not, not too long. It was like, we were brainstorming a lot for a while and we came across this one. I, I liked the nature reference and I liked, you know, the reference to taking risks, which I feel like, you know, playing jazz, I feel like we all really strive for that sort of freedom and find a lot of enjoyment in that part of it. And we actually had, yeah, a group of friends all come together and we had like a couple of different band names and we had our friends vote on what uh, the name should be. And it's funny. Yeah. Looking back, I'm really glad that we settled on this one because I think it was, uh, uh, yeah, the best choice. And so now, now it sounds normal to me. Like it's maybe that's the barometer for good branding or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely unique, you know, without being too outlandish, easy to spell, all the things. So I'd say it's a good name as well. Um, so you guys mentioned, you know, getting started, like getting involved in the local jazz scene in Cincinnati and, and just kind of coming up that way. Why, like now at this point in, in your career, like why do you continue to play jazz music? I play jazz music because it provides infinite opportunities to expand and create a new and just continually reinvent itself without repeating, but yet you can still, uh, so to speak, pay homage to the what's come before. And you can also build your own path. And so it's, it becomes this big community of like, people creating and people supporting each other creating and it's just really beautiful thing yeah something about this music um and the musicians that play it is there's so much um sort of not quite research but but it is research there's so much studying involved with what has come before i think really specifically to this genre most musicians are well aware of like most of the entire history Whereas if you play rock music, you might not even know Led Zeppelin or you might not, you know, you can just play whatever without having to do as much homework. But because we know so much about the history of everything that came before, it just, the more we learn about our past, does more to inform what we do in the present. And I think the nature of harmonically being able to train our ears to hear all these complex changes and to be able to improvise 
at this high level, it makes it really easy to learn other songs of any different genre. So developing your ears as a jazz musician and an improviser makes it easy to just like learn any other song by ear because you're training your ears to pure complex harmonies and changes in rhythm. So it just allows us to branch off and to explore any other genre a little quicker. Yeah, one thing I would add is, um, especially being in New York, I love how it's been able to connect me to different people all, all around the world. Like, in the grand scheme of things, this is like a pretty new genre of music. I mean, it's it's Black American music that's been around for roughly 100 years. I mean, you could debate when it actually started and <laughs> debate what jazz is exactly. But... Um, yeah, with with that being said, it's it's really turned into this international language that I really love where I can meet new people that we maybe we can't even speak the same verbal language and they're from a completely different part of the world, but we can just hop up on the bandstand with not knowing anything about each other and find this common space that's really beautiful. Yes, those are all amazing things about jazz, how it's new every time, like how you can connect with all different types of people, how it makes you ultimately a better musician to be able to, you know, improvise, just flow with changes so quickly. Who would you say are some of your, like, biggest influences individually and as a band? Yeah, who wants to go first? I mean, it's a loaded <laughs> question. I mean, we all share probably, uh, it's like Venn diagrams. We all have, like, the same influences and we have influences who are different from each other if i were speaking just with the drums i have to like start with jazz drummers like tony williams and elvin jones and jackie Jeanette, Roy haynes those those masters of this music and you know also max roach and the pioneers of bebop drumming and, and those guys but also guys like steve gadd steve jordan who plays with john mayer and guys who are killing pocket drummers. I know we love Herbie Hancock here, who's like one of the greatest musicians alive. Miles Davis is old pianist, who is considered like the forefather of hip hop music, even by Snoop Dogg, because he started playing funk music in the 70s. That was like a precursor to what led to hip hop. Playing shorter, I could keep going, but I'll let these guys talk about their influences now. Some of my biggest influences, um, it's not really even based in genre for me. It's more based in who created something new and who created something that made me feel something. Um, a lot of those people are like my biggest influences have followed me throughout my life. Uh, that includes John Coltrane. That includes Jimi Hendrix. That includes classical musicians like Ravel. Um, uh, Andrew's gotten me recently into Adrian Linker. Um, there, it really, it's all about the feeling. Whoever can make me feel something is like what I gravitate towards. That's why I play music. Yeah, I totally agree with what Ethan said. I just wanted to add a little bit of, yeah, like as far as the group goes, I think in terms of the compositional style and the way we interact, I know Shy Maestro is a huge influence uh, as a pianist from Israel that I've been yeah, fortunate to study with a little bit and, and hang out with here and there. Um, 
he, yeah, yeah, he, he really set the tone, I feel like, in a lot of ways for modern piano trio playing. And yeah, like Ethan said, we all grew up listening to rock and folk and classical music and, you know, hip hop, everything. So it's, it's all, uh, all those influences and all those experiences of, uh, with that music, I think, I think all feeds into, into what we do in some way or another. Definitely. I, I can surely hear your influences in your work, you know, and, but it's still extremely like original, very new, very innovative and great to listen to as, as a jazz fan. So it's even better that it's coming um, from, you know, a city like Cincinnati. So who would you say like you make music for, like you've been playing together for a long time and you've experienced some changes within your band. I'd love to know if the answer to that question has, has changed over the years or if it's stayed the same. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, It's definitely in all of the above for me. Like I think, Initially, of course, it was uh, for ourselves, you know, like it's obviously not like the easiest industry to get into financially or or lifestyle wise, but really our passion for the music is what got us off the ground initially. And then the more and more I, I, I keep doing this, I realize like the friendships and with the musicians I'm making along the way and, you know, just, just the the feedback you get from, from people where you can really tell that we're, yeah, like actually making a difference in people's lives and that this music is special for them and really, um, yeah, it makes an impact that that's really lately giving me the most fuel to keep, to keep doing this. And it just kind of all, all blends together. For me, I'm making music for the same reason that I was inspired to make music, which Mm. is, simply that it made me feel like really really good i remember being like 11 years old and i'm like hanging out and i just see these people like playing these this music in cincinnati and it feels like i haven't even looked back since that day it's like that it's like a little fire lit inside of me and it's just kind of growing and growing and now it's like oh i gotta go give that fire to you and you and hopefully to everybody that i can ever meet yeah, that's beautiful. That exchange from the artist to the audience, it's extremely important. That inspiration can be contagious. Yeah, I can definitely see see that like through your work. So what would you say like makes your band work? Like how have you lasted for so long? I would say it's a lot of things, but definitely just our connection as humans. Um really is like, yeah, I would say like a huge foundation for the musical aspects. Uh, they kind of go hand in hand and yeah, I, I've never had a, a brother, but Charlie's definitely the closest thing. We're, we're best friends and that really, um, yeah, I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else, you know? So like having Ethan come into the mix here about two years ago, really, um, yeah, it's just a blessing. Like. I don't th- if we didn't like spending time with each other, I don't think we would enjoy playing music with each other as much. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, the the music just reflects our relationship. 
as people and you know you got to be friends with the people in your band otherwise i think you'll be able to hear that in music if you don't really vibe with somebody if you don't really like them i think music's pretty transparent you know you can kind of see what people are thinking or you kind of can feel how comfortable people are with each other when you hear them play i think music tends to be a reflection of our personalities and it helps if you're all really good friends and or at least very comfortable with each other as people so being friends helps keeping the band going. Yeah, I wanted to add one one thing real quick. Uh, Ethan joined the band like roughly two years ago, but we've known him and been friends for more like six years, I would say, if I had to guess. So that that helped to have like that sort of foundation before, you know, before the band uh, joined. Yeah, yeah I, I I feel like there's almost this elephant in the room. Like, who was our first bass player? We want to give a shout out to <laughs> Noah Simonides. He's our Ooh. good friend. We didn't really have a falling out. We didn't have like a, oh no, like it, it just became an issue of he got married, he settled down, he had a house, he became contract worker, he became busy to the point where he no longer had availability to rehearse. Andrew and I were looking to move. Ethan was available and interested. So it kind of became this mutual thing where we would play gigs with Noah and Ethan here and there. And then once we moved, it made more sense to continue with Ethan because he was interested and we wanted to go that direction and he was available. So there's no baggage between us and Noah. Just wanted to give him a shout out. He's our good friend and buddy. We've even talked about playing (laughs) gigs with him on bass and Ethan on guitar because Ethan can play like every instrument amazingly well. So we're lucky that we have a situation where it's like our other former band member didn't just get like kicked out because, you know, we didn't like him anymore. It's not that at all. Like there's nothing but love. <laughs> no one, everybody who's been in the band just wanted to make that clear. That's amazing. The relationship is still, is still there. Nobody, nobody died. Yeah. There was no beef. That's great to hear. <laughs> right, yep, right. yep. No questions, no worries. So now moving forward, what do you hope to accomplish? I think a huge goal of mine has always been to tour internationally with this group, with my music and, and with my best friends, you know, that's, yeah. that's always been the dream. So uh, being in New York and, you know, connecting with people here has definitely been a huge step in that process and uh, recording early next year, all this new material is also you know, another stepping stone to that, that we're, uh, it's all in the works. Yay. We're excited for new music. <laughs> we are too. It's been a long time since we recorded. I think it was like 2019 when we last recorded. So yeah, it's, it's been some years. It's been since the pandemic happened. So yeah, so many a lot and personal changes since then. So <laughs> mm-hmm. it'll be, it'll be fresh. Yeah. We'll definitely be looking forward to, hearing what you guys release next. Um, So thinking about your legacy, you know, you've been playing for for a long time now and kind of developing and growing as a band as well. What would you say you like hope to be known for? I'm sure this answer will change over the years, but right now, do you have an answer to that? I think, well, part part of me is like, I, you know, I'm okay with, leaving it up to people, you know, whatever they decide, you know, that's kind of out of our control. But I guess part of me is also 
I am really proud of the fact that we really sound like a band. Like I feel like in jazz music, there's so many insanely talented musicians, like some of the most creative and talented people I know, but for whatever reason, I think, yeah, maybe it's just part of the freelance, like kind of lifestyle, but I don't always hear bands that are tight, like, like in other genres um, that kind of stick together. And so, yeah, really like bringing like a, a kind of a, a songwriting element that is maybe not super jazz like in some ways and really sounding like tight and having chemistry as a band are things I'm really proud to bring to the jazz world that I hope to like, yeah, I just hope to see that more. There aren't many band bands like rock bands in the jazz world. So I just want to write good songs. Most of my problems with like a lot of modern music, you know, I think we all kind of feel similarly about this. Like we don't really, we love every genre, but there are just artists within each genre that we love anymore. So like, I'd rather listen to like Willie Nelson than like some like bad jazz music. Part of that is based off of the songwriting. It's something that's <laughs> sort of undervalued and this genre sometimes feels like the songwriting. Sometimes it feels like people are just playing melodies to get to the part where they can just solo. And uh, something that I think we bring to the table is that we really play off of the melody and we really care about songs with good melodies and strong melodies. Yes, that definitely shines through in your music. Um, I can I can definitely hear you guys really having a tight, like, call and response and really using your solos to move towards the melody rather than just have like a, a spotlight on yourselves. So mm -hmm. I can definitely hear that, hear that in your music. So yeah, it makes sense that, you know, that is important to you all. So do you guys have any like interest or hobbies outside of music that boost your creativity and kind of helps you come back to the band with you know, fresh ideas? Yeah, definitely. Um, I know Ethan and I are chess players, which is cool. And both of us really enjoy... <laughs> what you oh, laughing sorry, at? I'm not sorry, a chess Charlie player. Charlie made me laugh. Charlie plays chess, come on. Charlie plays, I'm sorry. He, Charlie I'm doesn't sorry. play as much. He's, he's not I'm quite gonna, on I'm going to re redo this. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. Charlie, uh, Charlie can play chess too. Uh, we like chess. We like nature. Um, we love playing basketball. Although we haven't played with Ethan much, I, I haven't taken your um, opinions about basketball into consideration with that. But you might like basketball too. Yeah, I probably like basketball like you like chess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Andrew and I used to play pool a lot after gigs in Cincinnati. We'd go to Northside yeah. Tavern just to shoot, you know. So pool was a big hobby. Um, over the pandemic, for me, it was anime. I started and finished all of Naruto in a couple months, which is about like 700 episodes. So I was like really committed to that. Stories, I don't know. I'm always inspired by different stories of any medium, whether it's TV or movie or play, musical, song, or just watching the birds roll around, you know, just trying to observe story arcs from different examples of nature and art. Whatever. Yeah. There's another, yeah. There's so many external things. I mean, it's like 
I feel like the music is just a combination of all of your life experiences, you know, all of the art that you've ever consumed and then represented to the world and, and the way you see it and the way you've been inspired by it. But also, yeah, I guess I just wanted to add like internally too, it, it does boost my creativity in a way actually um, when I like, I'm a meditator from time to time and like it, yeah, just spending time with myself in that way, either in nature or just like in a focused sort of way definitely helps me tap in a lot easier to that creative space. Yeah, it's great to hear that you all have interests outside of it because we've, you know, seen how slowly focusing on one thing just leads to burnout. And so have you guys had any like issues with burnout over the years? Or have your hobbies like kind of, you know, helped helped you avoid that? I think personally, um, I, I'll just speak for myself. Yeah, we've had moments i've had moments in the past where i've taken a bunch of gigs that were all right you know you can burn out and then teaching a lot i used to student teach every day at school while playing gigs like every night staying up late with my dad who didn't go to bed until like 4 a.m so i I would i was kind of burnt out in that period i think we all experienced phases of burning out when we're like forced to be busy doing things even playing music in situations with groups or whatever that we're not like super into um so yeah we've i've I've experienced burnout but you know living as a human in real life and kind of unplugging and finding that space is a good way to get over that and just actually like listening to the music that actually inspires you to do this in the first place and being able to play with people who fuel and inspire you that that will help it so this band served as like a a release from burnout at phases but burnout for yeah. me happens when i'm really busy yeah i totally add to that in that i found that i experience the most burnout when i feel the most isolated and uh without these guys hanging out in cincinnati it feels really isolated because there's just there's not music like that happening and i found myself getting uh frustrated because i you know you can't force something to happen if it's not going to happen. And that's something I've been very grateful for with this is like, it just kind of, it just kind of happens. I just like show up, I get on a plane, I show up and we like, we make great music. And it's like, I find that when I go back into Ohio, I got to like try to like make something happen when like, I feel like the best things really just do happen naturally. Yeah. I, I've definitely experienced burnout. Um, I think it's partially just how I'm wired, but it's also due to this lifestyle being very kind of unending. Like you don't really clock out at five. It's, it's like, it's, you know, it's what we love and it's our lifestyle. And there's always the next project. There's always more practice. There's always um, more things to be done. It feels like, and just kind of, yeah, I guess I've, I've, I can struggle from time to time for turning that part of my brain off of like, you know, just letting myself fully relax and not feel like there's, you know, oh, I can do the next thing. I can do the next thing. Cause that's kind of like an endless, endless cycle. Yeah, seriously, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. It really is, you know, a never ending, you know, cycle and 
there's always something something to do something you know a gig to play something to write yeah so it's great that you you all have interests outside of it and hobbies that you can turn to that'll hopefully help you like keep from getting burnt out like you know too much in the future uh, so thinking about your performances when you guys have time together now in New York, what would you say are your, is your favorite song to perform? So, uh, all right, I'll, I'll just, um, I'll start, I guess. This kind of thing comes and goes with phases. I mean, it, it's like, what's your favorite song in general? What's your favorite color? Like for me, sometimes I change my mind a lot. Um, kind of depends on the gig, the atmosphere. Sometimes Andrew and I's moms will come and they'll want to hear their favorite song. Um, so we'll play that. Sometimes my mom's song is always changing, but recently we uh, developed a new song that Andrew wrote called Death to the Chase. That seems to be like a, one of the strong favorites right now. But so right now, Cut to the Chase, it's, it's right now unrecorded, but that'll change soon. That could be a favorite. Yeah, it definitely depends for me. Like, I mean, I, of course I love all of them. Otherwise I wouldn't perform them, but <laughs> yeah, there's, there's certain ones that, yeah, just tend to have a certain energy on stage with these guys that I, that I really love. Like, like the ones that Charlie mentioned. Um, and yeah, uh, that my mom's favorite is Dreaming of the Peace, which I know uh, you really enjoyed Jada. Yes. My fave. <laughs> I think uh, my mom's favorite, which is one of my favorites too, um, Sun Has Risen Again, yet again. <laughs> the the last song on her second album. My mom would talk about like driving on the highway, speeding with her windows down, just like <laughs> blasting, cranking that song. Just silly. That is so sweet. We have big mom fans. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yep. We love, we love supportive moms. That's amazing. Uh, so going along with that, I'm sure this changes all the time since you're always like writing and recording and kind of reflecting on the work you've already released. Do you like have a favorite at the moment, like a favorite um, released song by chance? Yeah, that's that's also tough. But there, there's one that does stick out to me that's a kind of a deep cut that... Mm -hmm. Um, doesn't get talked about too much, but and we, it's funny, we don't even really play it live anymore. It's been years, but I wrote a suite in D-flat called Relinquishing. And the recording on the first album is really special. It, it just, something about it really hits home. Um, I feel like the four different sections kind of capture a wide uh spread view of like kind of a lot of my different influences um and also we had a string quartet and some spoken word as well on it so like filling out the texture in that way i think was a really yeah really cool addition so that that one sticks out to me i don't know right now i'm, I'm thinking discovery park was just a really nice song to record on and i love listening back to that so discovery park will be my answer right now Hey everyone, hope you're enjoying getting to know On A Limb so far. I wanted to take a little break to introduce you to some of their music. This song of theirs really stopped me in my tracks. The melody is absolutely gorgeous and I love how simple yet enigmatic it feels. Here's Dreaming of the Peace by On A Limb. 
So I picked your song, Dreaming of the Peace. Uh, it was such a standout for me. Definitely a favorite of mine from your latest record. The melody I found was so strong, and your guys' call and response with each other was just absolutely stunning. So I'd love to know more about it and like the process and how you feel about it. Um, but starting out, like I'd love to know who or what inspired you to write it. Yeah, you picked a really good song to discuss this because there is quite a bit behind this one. I, yeah, a lot of the music I write, it's very, it just kind of happens. Like before I totally realize what it is or where it's coming from, I kind of like, especially with this one, I remember I took some time to kind of like sit with it to feel, you know, how it relates to what I'm going through and what it, um, yeah, what it means, where it's coming from, all that sort of thing. So I remember, yeah, it was 2018, early, like February. Um, I was about to graduate college. So yeah, it was right around that time. Um, but yeah, I realized the song, it was, it was very, for me, is like kind of like a balance of like, sort of like a mournful acceptance of reality, but like also like a very peaceful, optimistic sort of hope for the future. Um, I was, yeah, I don't know, just just really deep in just kind of learning and becoming more aware of how classist our society is and how, how people of color are treated and, you know, any sort of distinction like that and, and what that means um, and how that affects people's lives and just kind of, yeah, a lot of it was like a, yeah, I was like, I hope I live to see the day where, you know, people can be treated equally. Um, it was, it was really, yeah, like on a, on a global sense, a lot about that. And then even on a personal sense, um, yeah, getting more in touch with my Asian heritage, getting more in touch with myself and realizing that I've always kind of just felt like a person, you know, more than more than anything else and that I'm capable of feeling attraction towards lots of different people. Um, and I have not experienced anything systemic, but, you know, navigating those sorts of labels in our society sort of made me feel not uncomfortable, but like, I guess I, I understand the weight of like what that might mean in our society. And like, um, I guess just, yeah, really coming to terms with all that for myself and just, just kind of expressing it all in one, <laughs> all that, that wide spectrum of emotions all in one song. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of topics to cover in one song, um, but I can definitely hear, like you know, just within the title, you know, there there aren't any lyrics, so just in the title, like "Dreaming of the Peace," I can definitely hear that, hear in the like melodies at least that like hope, that desire, like for like a better future. Um, I can I can hear that, um, but how would you say? Um, since you started writing it, you said in like 2018, um, how would you say you've like grown with like coming to like accept yourself 
Yeah, I think I've come a long way. Um, like I was definitely thinking about it more then and just like in the thick of like, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of that stuff I had, I'd kind of known for a long time and never had like fully expressed it. Um, but yeah, now I don't really think about it much anymore. It's just kind of like, yeah, I, I know who I am and I feel confident about that. Yeah, it's beautiful that you've gotten there um, and gotten to that point where you can just accept yourself and, and just live because uh, it, yeah, it's hard to do and not everybody, you know, gets to that point. So it's really a beautiful thing. Um, who do you hope to reach with this song? Because so far it seems like it's kind of reflecting like how, how you feel about yourself, how you feel about the world around you. So I'd love to know if you had anyone in mind or, you know, anyone besides yourself? Yeah, I don't know if it's like specifically intended for any specific group of people, really. Like, I, yeah, I guess everyone and anyone that can, you know, find some sort of meaning or inspiration from it, I, I you know, that would be, that would be wonderful. So, yeah, definitely. So how do you feel like now that, you know, you've had a few years out from writing and, you know, recording and releasing it and kind of coming to terms with yourself and seeing how the world has changed over this time? Um, how do you feel now when you listen to it? Yeah, it's interesting. Because, um, yeah, obviously there's a lot more that has transpired in the world since then that yeah, I mean, in, in some ways, like, um, it made me feel less optimistic, you know, like mm -hmm. with um, just all the division during like summer of 2020 with, you know, the murder of George Floyd and, and COVID uh, policy discrepancies and all these sorts of things that seems like at times we're heading, you know, in a different direction. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I listening back now, like, I think especially, you know, having with all of us having gone through those experiences here, it's, I don't know, the song does feel sort of like anthemic. I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> but, um, like, yeah, I really, I really, um, I'm glad that that was, um, I guess we didn't actually release it until the fall of 2020. Is that right, Charlie? Yeah, September. Yeah, so yeah, it came out like, two and a half years after I wrote it, which I guess is like a pretty normal timeline with this sort of thing. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, really with all my songs, like listening back, I, I can remember exactly how I felt when I wrote it. Um, so in, the, in that sense, all my songs are kind of nostalgic for me, although like seeing them with a new perspective is also like a reminder of how much I've grown and like I enjoy the aspect of returning to these songs live and performing them now with these guys and finding new ways to explore them. I think that's really, uh, that sort of improvisational element to the compositions. I really, I really enjoy that. Yeah. That's definitely one of the best things about music in general, being able to have like a timestamp and just like almost almost like a time capsule of like where you were at the time that you like wrote and released um, the certain song or album. So yeah, it's definitely 
definitely one of the one of the greatest things we have uh, while living here. Adding on to that, how do you want people to feel when they listen to the song? You mentioned writing, you know, from a place of, you know, hope for, you know, the world to improve, like coming to terms and, you know, coming to accept yourself. So I'd love to know how, like now that you're a few years out, how you want people to receive and, you know, and feel when they like listen to the song, the recorded version and and or the live version, whenever you all play it. Yeah, I mean, kind of going along with what Ethan said earlier, it's like uh, we want to express the inspiration that we've gotten from other music and our our influences, you know? So, like, I hope in, like, um, on a certain level, yeah, like, I hope that people can feel what I feel. Like, there's a, hopefully, like, a certain level of, like, transparency that can kind of be communicated through the music. I think that's a really beautiful thing. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, I also love the aspect of art that this is like very interpretive and everyone's going to come at it from a different angle. And I, I welcome all of that, you know, uh, anything that people feel from listening to this song or any anything else that we've we've released. Yeah, we keep yeah coming to that exchange. It's one of the best things we have as people like the ability to exchange our feelings in different ways music art all kinds of things so yeah it, def- it definitely comes through in this song uh, you mentioned the writing process earlier um and you know that was yeah definitely definitely powerful uh, to know like the feelings that you were writing from um what what did like the recording process entail yeah, for this one, we kind of intentionally set everything up a lot differently than the first record. The first record, we had more songs, but they were shorter songs, and we were completely isolated in the studio. We kind of treated it like really like not like a jazz record in many ways. Like we did a lot of post production editing and that sort of thing. Um, the second album, which Dreaming of the Peace is on, we, yeah, kind of wanted to like showcase a different side of our playing that we, yeah, really tap into more in a live setting. So we actually just set up in a room like we were rehearsing in a room that we we're actually very familiar rehearsing in and just kind of set up some mics and had our friend come in and with his laptop and just kind of, you know, hit record. Um, and we captured, yeah, I think it was eight songs over the course of two days. It was pretty, yeah, pretty efficient. And if I remember correctly, we did this one very first in the studio. It was like morning. Um, mm. We probably got there like 10 a.m., which is, you know, kind of early for us sometimes. <laughs> and it was kind of a, I, I don't know, like being slightly still sleepy, I felt like was a good <laughs> a good uh, space to be in for this song. It was very, you know, very calm. So I think we got it in one or two takes, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm. Yeah, it just kind of came out, like, right away. That's insane, because, I mean, it's a very detailed song. There's a lot going on. The melody is is very rich, but that 
That's crazy to hear that it was recorded in one or two takes. That is, yeah, that's a true testament to, you know, the talent that's in, in your band. So I'm wondering, like, if we're thinking, like, process-wise, like, how are the solos written and agreed upon? Do you write the solos or um, do do the other members, like, write their own solos? Yeah, I mean, in general, like, um, when we're improvising, yeah, it's, it's all completely in the moment, just up to the individual and the dynamic in the group at that at that moment in time, you know, to to see where that goes. Um, with recording, I tend to be a little bit more, somewhat more planned in a way, at least in terms of like the overall structure, like just like certain ideas of like, oh, I don't want this song to be more than like five minutes or whatever. So maybe we'll only have one solo on this song or whatever. We'll kind of like discuss big picture things like that before we get in the studio. But it's interesting, this one actually, uh, I enjoyed it a lot because there weren't any actual solos in terms of um, improvisation. Like this was a pretty composed piece. And of course we play it very different live. We'll expand on it and, and feel free to do whatever we want with it. But the studio version was pretty, yeah, I would say like a fully composed piece. And then like building on that, um, you know, since, you know, jazz is really based on improvisation. How did you write the melody? Because that's like, that's my, that's my favorite part of the song. And yeah, it just continues to build as, as the song goes along. So I'd love to know <laughs> how, how you came to write that and, you know, use everything you were feeling uh, while you were writing the song to, you know, make such a strong melody. Yeah, um, I wish I knew. I wish I could tell you. <laughs> There's, I guess that's like that's where the magic is, and I don't even necessarily view it as coming from me, but you know, more coming through me. Um, when I talked about meditating earlier, just being able to tap into that that flow, you know, whatever yeah. that is, wherever that is, and where it comes from. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting because melody is. I feel like definitely one of my strongest suits when it comes to playing and writing. And I don't fully understand it other than I know, I know when I hear it and I know when it sounds right and vice versa, but it's, it's really like kind of an elusive and very deeply personal process that is different for everybody. Yeah. That's beautiful. Just to be, yeah, it just kind of, it just kind of happens. It's, you know, within you. So yeah, that's a that's a powerful gift you've got. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. So it's been a few years since you've written the song and you know released it. Uh, what would what if anything like would you change about the song? I don't know if I would. I mean, you you kind of hinted at this earlier. Has like, um, yeah, I really enjoy my compositions being sort of like stamps in time of like this is what I felt then and we documented it and I, I love that um, it's really powerful to think about how these recordings will outlive us and how even even if I feel somewhat differently now I can still look back and 
be proud of what we've done and be excited for what's what's to come. I there's nothing really specific that jumps out to me, but like if there are things that I typically want to change about old compositions, I'm always like usually of the mindset like, oh, you know, with this new knowledge or new approach, like I I just want to make something new with that idea rather than um edit the edit the past stuff but yeah that's all just a personal preference yes that's amazing to hear because yeah the idea like the idea of of kind of going back and and fixing things it, it can go on forever and you end up not like making anything new so it's definitely wonderful to hear that you're happy with the final result because it's as a listener it's definitely a rich and indulgent like piece of work and yeah i i continue to go back to it it's it's one of my favorite you know pieces to come out of 2020 it's definitely an amazing piece of work yeah yeah something we do when we play it live though is we'll probably you know usually on that song we'll have like either andrew or even ethan like take a little bit of a solo in the middle of it so that's a way that we can like change it in the moment when we perform it Usually when we do our songs live, we'll just, uh, I don't know, sometimes they feel pretty similar to the rec- record, but usually in a live setting, as is typical with most artists and bands, we feel like we can take more time to develop and stretch out and maybe, you know, in a jazz context, I might be in solo a little more. And there is one song off the first album, it's our first song we recorded December that Andrew's kind of written other versions of. And so we had like a, another kind of recapitulated version. And then recently he like wrote a whole entire different beginning section to waking the December rain that we're planning on re-recording. So I guess that could be an example of a song that he's not like, Oh, I wish we did this, but it's just like, Oh, cool. It's been so many years. Now we can play it this other new way. That's, pretty much just a new song because it's so different, but it's obviously building off of the, the first song. And I'd also say he's also written songs that feel like an ode to songs. So we have that sweet relinquishing uh, that was not the very last song on our first album. It was the second to last song, I think. The last song on our second album, I, I remember Andrew talking about how that kind of feels like it's an ode in a way, it borrows fragments of the melody to relinquishing. So that's the sun is risen yet again, kind of borrows from relinquishing, which is cool. Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of those earlier songs that were standbys or are standbys for us. Kind of, yeah, they, they feel like important steps along the way and like big, um, I guess, yeah, just like compositions as like an avenue to explore a certain emotion or certain like improvisational territory that kind of get renewed and going along with that. Yeah, I know there's a song called Glimpse Number One on our first record. Um, There's going to be a Glimpse Number Two on our next record along with the new version of Waking to December Rain and amongst other things. So yeah, kind of a cool way to like, yeah, build on what we've started, I guess, with with uh, our new experiences now. 
That's exciting. That definitely, it reminds me of, you know, the rock influence you guys mentioned before, you know, thinking about, you know, Queen in particular who had, who mm. had songs and then, you know, like in the lap of the gods and there's in the lap of the gods revisited. Like, I think that is such an amazing like practice and, and thing to continue to just kind of expand on what you've done in the past, because I think, I think that's the way to, to, to look back without, you know, without dragging your feet or without like mm-hmm. stunting your growth. So it's an amazing thing that you, you guys are doing that and really putting that into practice and, keeping keeping that part of music alive just using what you've using what you've made in the past to build and continue to grow and you know release more music yeah absolutely i've had a wonderful time speaking with you all and talking about what music means to you to you all and you know learning more about your band and your song dreaming of the peace so thinking about yourselves and your journey um, if you could speak to your younger self, uh, what do you think you'd say? Um, okay. If I could speak to my younger self, I would really gain a lot from telling him that um, things are in no way going to happen as they seem. And it's going to get crazy. And first of all, I would have never thought that I would have been playing with these guys. Like, if you would have told me that, like, seven years ago i'd been like nah like hey it's funny (laughs) i probably had dreams about it honestly um um yeah just to keep keep learning and stay strong on the inside because if if i'm strong on the inside then the outside can't touch me you know that's that's really important to me i always enjoy this question because i i feel like not to make light of it, but if I could actually speak to my former self, I would hug myself. I would want to hang out with myself. <laughs> I would love myself. I would just I would like take myself under my wing and just love them and walk with them. And, you know, just tell them everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be okay. You know, everything that you're striving for, it'll happen. Just not in the way that you ever imagined. And there's a lot of beauty in what you don't even know that you want in the future. Um, so yeah, um, just encourage myself. Wow. Or maybe uh, uh, there's one other thing I wouldn't do too much to my younger self because whatever my younger self ended up doing brought me to where I am now. And if you believe in the butterfly effect, I wouldn't want to change too much because then I might end up (laughs) being different and that could be a beautiful thing or it could be for an unfortunate thing. I don't know. So (laughs) Wow, you guys have good answers. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, in somewhat in that sense, that what Charlie just said, I, I don't know if I would want to alter the process too much. Like, just, just kind of like, I would still let myself go through what I've been through to, to learn and to get where I am today. You know, but I guess, I guess the biggest message would just be, yeah, just to enjoy that process those are beautiful answers yeah the idea of supporting your former self and just you know being there because like honestly the the choices you made in the past led you to where you are you know that so it's great that you guys you know think fondly of your former selves and you know have 
have great things to say. Um, so you mentioned earlier that you're you're working on you know a bulk of new songs like that you've written and um, are going to be in the process of recording. Um, what else is next for the band? Yeah, good question. Uh, the record is definitely the big focus at this point. It, it might even be two records worth of material. I think we're going to kind of see what all we have after we record and see how it all fits together. But um, yeah, just like in terms of those goals that I discussed earlier, um, bringing this on a, a bigger, more international stage is definitely in the works. So hopefully we'll be doing that next time we talk to you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's so exciting. And then in closing, uh, where can people find you and uh, find your music? Yeah, we're on all the all the streaming platforms. And if you want to purchase our music or buy merch or that sort of thing, Bandcamp is is the site to go. Um, and then social media, all that sort of stuff. Uh, we're Instagram. We're on a limb underscore. And I also have a website, andrewhaugmusic.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, buy their music. So yeah, thank buy you. their music, stream their music, and go to their shows. Thank you for listening to In My Tracks. The show was created and produced by me, your host and friend, Jada Burt. And shout out to Play Audio Agency for producing, recording, and editing the show. And for composing the original theme music you are currently jamming out to. It is truly a labor of love, and I hope you enjoy it. To continue the fun, follow In My Tracks Pod on all social channels. Don't forget to use hashtag InMyTracksPod to share the songs that stop you in your tracks. Looking to discover even more awesome music? Follow In My Tracks Pod on Spotify for weekly playlists. And please remember to follow the show so you don't miss an episode. And leave a review if you're enjoying it. See you next time!